David, which is called Bethlehem, because he is out of the house and the family of David, and he was to be registered himself along with Mary, having been betrothed to her, and she was with child. Now it happened while they were there that the days were fulfilled for her to give birth, and she delivered and gave birth to her son, the firstborn. She wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in the manger because there was no room for them in the end. Would you circle no room? There was no room for them in the end. Thank you, Frank, for playing. Father, I pray that as we share the uncompromising word of God, which is Jesus, from the scriptures, that eyes would be opened, ears would be unstopped, that our that you would enlighten us to your grace and that we would grow in that grace and we would receive wisdom that would be imparted to us and we would uh, begin to walk in a manner worthy of being called sons. Uh, In Jesus' name, amen. Did you have a good Christmas? Did you get everything that you wanted? Well, I didn't want much, but I got more than I needed, and I'm thankful. Each of us, in our own right, is an innkeeper. We are an innkeeper over our own hearts and lives and souls. And each of us decides whether there is room for Jesus or not. Now, I could get into a discussion with you this morning about the inn and the innkeeper, what the stable, the cave, the room looked like. It wasn't uh, what we thought it was, and Mary and Joseph were not turned away. They were going to family members' houses who knew that they were coming because this census had been made, this governmental mandate. Everybody look at me. Don't look down at the ground. There was a governmental mandate that was worldwide. Does that sound familiar at all to you in this time? The family knew that they were coming. The innkeeper was a relative, and there was a guest room that because other relatives were coming, that guest room was unavailable, so he gave them what was available, which was more than likely the front room of the house where the animals stayed because their animals were important to them and they didn't want them to be stolen. So the animals stayed in the front part of the house. Then the rest of the family was in the back of the house. Maybe it was a second story and they were underneath the house. Uh, But we are each in our own right an innkeeper and we need to decide whether we're going to make room for Jesus or not. And I'm talking to a lot of church-going, Jesus-believing Scripture-reading Christians that still have not made room for Jesus. Do you understand that not just this season, Jesus is not only the reason for this season, but Jesus is all in all the center of our lives, the masterpiece of masterpieces that we should be focusing on and giving attention to? Well, there was a few thoughts that jumped out of me at me during uh, this Christmas season in reading Luke 2. I've read it a hundred plus times in different uh, versions of the Bible. I quoted Luke 1 uh, or Luke 2, 1 through 20 when I was 11 years old at, at uh, church one Sunday morning. Uh, I know Luke 2 backwards and forwards, but something came out and he, God started giving me some thoughts. And I'd like to share those thoughts with you this Christmas. Is that all right? <laughs> 
If we look at verses 1 through 20, and I made mention of it, there was a decree or a mandate that went forth from Caesar, the president. I can't get anybody to understand what I'm talking about this morning. Now listen to me closely. Isn't it amazing that a mandate from an oppressive ruler ruling with a heavy hand got Mary and Joseph exactly where they needed to be? Perhaps, perhaps, Holy Spirit wants to use certain mandates from what you and I would consider an oppressive government to get us to where we need to be. I'm not telling you to do anything that Holy Spirit isn't telling you to do. I'm not here to be on one side of the fence or the other side of the fence. I'm here to present Jesus to you and to present him lovely and beautiful. But perhaps the Holy Spirit would begin to use some mandates that have been handed out by an oppressive government's governmental system to you to get you to where you need to be. And maybe the place that you and I need to be is a place of making more room. Another thought that jumped out at me was that it says here that she brought forth her firstborn son. What was his name? Jesus. I heard Holy Spirit say to me, it's time to bring forth Jesus. The time has been accomplished and it should, it's time for us to deliver. What, should she, what would we be delivering? We should be delivering Jesus, and we should be delivering Him in this current culture of oppression. Would everybody kind of easily nudge their neighbor and say, wake up, this is good. Oppression is defined as an unjust or cruel exercise of authority or power. It's a sense of being weighed down, either in the body or in the mind. How many of you have felt weighed down over the past two years during a pandemic, epidemic, whatever they want to call it? How many have felt weighed down and oppressed? Maybe your rights have been oppressed. Maybe your medical choice has been oppressed and you felt the weight of the heavy hand of a cruel and unjust authority. Oppression can come from religious leaders that stand in a pulpit and would declare anything to you other than Jesus real big and real beautiful. It's a sense of oppression that stems from the abuse of power from keyboard warriors. Uh, Social media, they get on there and they type out. See, 50 years ago, these things wouldn't have been issues because everybody's opinions were like garbage cans. Everybody got one and they all stink. But because you have a platform, 5 billion people are using social media, and when they use social media, now they've got a platform and they become a keyboard warrior. And you know what most of the keyboard warriors are spewing? Hate and division. So, And it usually has an undertone of a political agenda or a personal agenda. And a lot of times the right-wing evangelical Christian will take a political view that is nothing more than a religious platform and it spews hate. It's got morals attached to it, but it's not the Word of God making Jesus real big and real beautiful. 
Now, when Jesus is brought to the forefront and Jesus is brought forth, then the whole climate begins to change. And as for me and my house, I don't know about you, and that's what we try to preach here, is that we can, even in the midst of a, a, a controversial and oppressive culture, we can have joy in our hearts, we can have a spring in our step, we can have a smile on our face, and we can leave the kingdom everywhere we go. Bringing forth Jesus. Last week, Jennifer sang, Oh, Holy Night. And I asked before she sang, what people's favorite Christmas song was, and about half of the crowd said, Oh, Holy Night. But I'm struck by the third verse of that song, Oh, Holy Night, that I've sang for 52 years, and now I'm really beginning to understand what the word said of the third verse. It says, Change shall he break, and in his name all oppression shall, shall cease. Christ is the Lord. Oh, praise his name forever. Folks, oppression is not going to cease. Oppression ceased when Christ came as king. The chains fell off. You're either in an area where you believe that, you understand that, you see that, or you're still in darkness to that. And because you're in darkness to those things, that's why Paul prayed in Ephesians 1, may the eyes of our understanding be enlightened to what Jesus has done at the cross, when all chains were broken, all oppression will cease. At the name of Jesus, the oppression has to cease. It's gone. It ha I'm telling you, you are oppressed because you will buy into the lie. And we just sang the song, here I lay it down, every lie and every doubt. Stop buying into the lie of anything that brings oppression, discouragement, condemnation, guilt, and shame on you. That's not the gospel. The third thing that popped out at me from verse 7 was that there was no room. There was no room for him in the end. And so I began to ask myself questions, and I would give you those questions this morning. Will you make room for the sun instead of making room for sin? It's so amazing how many people will make room for sin. And they want to bring sin to the forefront. And they want to talk. See, all that that type of preaching does is brings condemnation. Even if I'm in a personal conversation and Gary is feeling oppressed and he feels the weight of the world on him, do you know what most evangelists, I'm talking about individuals that want to evangelize to people, they would begin to tell Gary that he's oppressed because of the sin in his life and they would begin to name things that are sin in his life and that's why he's oppressed. I'm not a sin conscious preacher. Now listen, I didn't say that there's not sin in the world. I said I'm not a sin-conscious preacher. I am a sun-conscious preacher. I'm asking you, will you make room for the sun in 2022 and stop mentioning so much sin in people's lives? I will guarantee you that the Holy Ghost is a whole lot better at His job than you and I are. I get a lot of flack for that preaching. I've lost people recently. But you know what? That's okay. I can't go back. I'll say it this way. There's nothing to go back to. Jesus asked the disciples, will you also leave me? <laughs> they said, where are we going to go? That's where I'm at. Will you make room for his goodness instead of for all the evil that's prevalent in our world on all the news stations that you turn on every evening and you begin to read bad news and watch bad news. And we know my brother-in-law is a reporter. He's a journalist. We talk about this. Bad news sells. But they do mention good news once in a while. 
I'd like us to flip-flop it and let's just talk about good news all the time and let's focus on the evidence of the goodness of God that's all around us. We're going to start singing a song this year about the evidence of the goodness of God that's around us all the time. Quit dwelling on the negative. Quit dwelling on the evil. We've made so much room for all of the garbage that goes on in the world, but we've not made very much room for the goodness of God. There's no room for Him in most places. We need to make room for the goodness of God. Will you make room for the light instead of the darkness in 2022? Then that jolted another thought from another passage. If you'll take your Bibles and go to Mark, the second chapter. I'm not going to read it, but you could look at it and maybe read it this week. And in Mark, the seventh chapter, Jesus is teaching in a home. And there was simply no room for anyone else to get into the house. That, that word jumped off the page at me again. No room. King James says, not even at the door. There was no room. I, help me, Holy Ghost. That's not true about very many churches in America today. Don't know, I don't care about the name on the outside of the door. We have allowed the oppression of what has gone on for the last two years for the house of the Lord is not full anymore. You're here this morning, so I'm not preaching to the choir. But we've not made room. There was, Jesus was in the house teaching, and when Jesus was in the house, the house was full so that there was no more room in the house, and that paralyzed man could not connect with Jesus because there wasn't any room. But thank God for his four friends. Will you make room this year and be one of the four friends that carried their friend to Jesus so that he could make a connection with the life giver? There's so many of us that have so many people in our lives, whether they're co-workers, family members, friends, neighbors, that we, there's not been room for us. We've not made room to connect them with Jesus. I'm asking a lot of questions this morning, but I believe these four man, men in Mark 2 had to ask themselves the questions. Are we going to make room in our schedule for those that are hopeless and in need? I... Don't want to get ahead of myself, and we're going to talk about something here in a second. But are you willing to make room to allow the Holy Spirit to use your creativity in helping others? These guys had to get creative. There wasn't any room at the door. How were they going to connect him with Jesus? Their minds started working, and then they started becoming creative. And so they said, well, let's take him up on the roof, and let's tear a hole in the roof so we can get him to Jesus. Are you willing to make room to become creative in such a way that you can connect someone else to Jesus? This is good, this is good stuff. We have to ask ourselves, are you really, or am I willing to make my reputation of such that it would be ridiculed because I've made room for Jesus. Can you imagine those four guys climbing up on that roof that day to rip a hole in the roof and what everyone was saying about them, how crazy they were, what a mess they made, how much money they cost the homeowner, and their reputation was at stake, but they made room enough to connect their friend with Jesus. Grace Life... Would you perk up your ears for just a second? Will you make room to pray bold prayers in 2022? I'm asking Grace Life, if this is your home church, if I'm your pastor, will you make room to invite people to Grace Life intentionally? More than that, will you invite people to 
Jesus, to come to Jesus. Because if they come to our church and they're not connected with Jesus, I would rather them to come to Christ and be connected with Him and never step foot in the door. I don't know what kind of preaching that is. but There's empty chairs in here that need to be filled. And I'm not trying to grow a big church. I'm trying to tell people about the beautiful and big Jesus that we serve and that is our friend in this thing that we call life and he really wants us to enjoy everyday life. Oh, oh, will you make room to give generously in 2022? I don't, I don't talk a whole lot about money. You've been to, if you've been to this church for five years, you've probably only heard me to preach two entire sermons on finances in the last five years. If I look at my notes correctly and I go back through the sermons that I've preached, I've preached two entire messages on finances. And I'm not here to hound finances because again, the Holy Spirit, I guarantee you will tell you to give and He'll tell you what to give and He'll tell, never tell you to give more than what you have. If you have to put giving on credit card, it's not by the Holy Ghost. He will only tell you to give what you've been given to give but some of you aren't giving anything it got real quiet will you make room in your finances to give generously we ended up we're ending up unless a $37,000 check comes in the mail today or this week or 37,000 below giving of last year at this point but God's we've not missed one bill We've not missed one paycheck. We've not missed one giving to missions. We've not missed one electric bill, buying supplies for children's church, buying supplies. We've not missed one. You can't explain that in the natural. But in the supernatural, I say God is good. Will you make room to believe in a, on a level and in a way that you've never believed before? In your own life, what is God asking you to believe Him for? I'm going to put this next statement on the screen and I want you to write it down for 2022. I believe that 2022 is a job opportunity of a lifetime. That's not a misspelling and I didn't pronounce it incorrectly. A job opportunity. There are two stories in the scripture, one from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament that I want to share with you that took place in Joppa. I've been to Joppa. In Hebrew, it would be called Jaffa. So if you would read the Old Testament, you might see it spelled as J-A-F-F-A, Jaffa. In the Greek, it's written and pronounced Joppa. It is a port city. It's usually, uh, Sheila was with us there. How many of you have been to Israel? Hank was there. Yes, Brian and Kathy. And we got to see Simon the Tanner's house. Uh, and we're going to talk about that. But in Jonah, the first chapter... You know that the word of the Lord came to Jonah, go thou to Nineveh. In verse 3 of Jonah, the first chapter, it says, But Jonah arose to flee from the presence of the Lord. Can I stop right there and say that I'm thankful that I live in a new covenant where I cannot flee from the presence of the Lord? Because David prophesied and said, Whether I make my bed in hell or I send to the highest heavens, you are there. He will never leave us nor forsake us in the new covenant. I am reading a historical uh, scripture and story from the New Old Testament so that we can see something that happened in Joppa that will bring to light to us that we need to make room for the opportunity of a lifetime. Jonah then paid a fare and went into a ship to go 
with them to Tarshish, again, from the presence of the Lord. He is trying to run from what God has called him to do. We know the story if you've ever been to Sunday school. Jonah had an opportunity to make the power and the might and the presence of God seen in a visible and tangible way in Nineveh. But he ran from that, and he ends up in the belly of a great fish. He comes to himself, thank God, that he says in Jonah 3.1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, and it did not change. Don't waste another year fleeing from using your gift for the kingdom. I don't know what your gift is. Carolyn has a gift to lead drama and make costumes. And uh, what a beautiful presentation I've, t- I've heard over and over and over this week that that's the best one that Grace Life has done so far. The music that God gave her. The, Tim did an excellent job telling the story. Just the what God had. That is a gift. Don't, don't flee another year from using your gift. Maybe your gift, it's time for somebody to get back to the front door like JJ and open up that door and have a smiling face and shake somebody's hand out there. Don't flee another year wasting your gift because I believe that Proverbs eighteen sixteen tells us that your gift will make room for you. There it is. And it will bring you before great and influential men. The right gift at the right time can open up new opportunities. And it can help you gain access to people that are influential that may make an impact in your life, in our church's life, in the life of this community. So that's, that was Jonah's opportunity. But from, jo- from Joppa, he was fleeing from that opportunity of a lifetime. Now, thank God it worked out. And he went back and the hearts of the people of Nineveh were turned to God. Then I want to jump over to Acts, the 10th chapter. Here's another opportunity, and this time it's for Peter under the new covenant. Peter is down in Joppa. And... Uh, He goes up onto the rooftop of Simon the Tanner's house and it's about noontime and he's hungry, but he begins to pray. Um, It's amazing that we ate as much as we ate over the last two days, at least I did. And then uh, I was back there before service talking to John and Susan in the coffee bar talking about where we were going for lunch and what we were going to have for lunch. But here's Peter, and he's hungry at noontime, up on top of the roof, and he begins to pray. See, that's why I've asked you to make room for bold prayers. And as he's praying, he falls into a trance. And in this trance, he has a vision. Now, Peter is a law keeper. And so when he sees this vision, it's a sheet coming down out of heaven, four corners tied up. And in that sheet, there are beasts of the field and hoofed animals and wild beasts and all of the birds of the air. And the voice that he hears in this vision says to him, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter responds out of his knowledge of the law. See, I love that song that we just sang because we've got to shake off every tradition and we've got to break down all the walls of religion because 
Peter's tradition and Peter's religion told him that he couldn't eat what was in the sheet. And so he says to the Lord, no, Lord, I can't do that. It, the voice of the Lord comes to, a, to him a second time. Kill and eat and don't call common or uncommon what I've called common and clean. Three times that happens in Acts the 10th chapter as Peter is in, on a rooftop in Joppa in a trance. And finally he says, yes, Lord. It's amazing that the Lord was, what the Lord was revealing to Peter was so much more than giving him permission to eat what he had never eaten before. Because if you look at the rest of the story, it's an opportunity because as he's coming out of the trance, there's a knock on the door and there's three men who have come from Cornelius, the Roman centurion's house, looking for Peter because God had told them to go get Peter. And they say, well, you don't go to Cornelius, the Roman centurion's house. Now, here's a circumcised Jew who just 15 minutes before this wouldn't have eaten anything that was in that sheet. He wouldn't have called what was common uncommon, and he wouldn't have eaten any unclean animal. But God's giving him a revelation. See, so many times we've not understood the revelation that heaven comes down to us. We don't have to climb up to heaven. That sheet came down from heaven to give Peter a revelation. Peter didn't have to climb. See, the Tower of Babel, when they were trying to get to God on their own, it, he, he, knocked that off, he knocked that off its pedestal. Confused them. Because you can't get up to God, that's why God came down to us. Heaven, thy kingdom come. That's the prayer that we pray. Quit trying to get up to heaven. Quit trying to get up to God's level. Quit trying to live up to a certain religious plateau or a religious set of rules. You don't have to work your way to heaven. God brought heaven down to you. That's enough to close the book and shout real good and go on home. <laughs> and don't allow, don't be limited by a label. See, what had happened is Peter as a Jew had labeled Cornelius unclean because he was a Roman. And he wouldn't fellowship with him, but because of the revelation that he had where God tells him, don't call unclean what I've called clean. The story goes on to tell us in Acts the 10th chapter that Peter makes his way into Caesarea. And when he gets to Caesarea, he finds the house of Cornelius and he begins to teach to them. And when he opens up the scripture, here's his opportunity of a lifetime. He begins to share with them the message of Jesus. Heaven came down when he began to talk about Jesus. How could God anoint his son with the Holy Spirit and power that when he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed? Peter was telling them that the anointing that was on Jesus for his life healed all who were oppressed by the devil. Peter shared that he had been a witness to these things and... Uh, that what Christ had done in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem got him killed. They hung him on a tree. Peter went on to say, but God raised him up on the third day and showed him open, openly. You know that Jesus walked the planet in his resurrected body for 40 days? Peter said, I even got to eat breakfast with him on the seashore of Galilee. And he told the house of Cornelius that Jesus had commissioned him and the rest of the disciples 
to testify of the goodness of God and what they had seen with their own eyes. Can I ask you a question in 2022? Will you make room for something new? Peter would have never gone down to the house of Cornelius if he hadn't had the vision. God was showing him something new that he had never eaten those things that were in that sheet before, but God was giving him the revelation that he could have something new. It's time for us to make room for Jesus. What's at stake in 2022 in your Joppa moment? The job opportunity of a lifetime, Frank, if you guys would come. Leviticus 26.10 says, You will still be eating last year's harvest when you will have to move it out to make room for the new. I, I can really honestly tell you, for my life, what I experienced in 2021 was great. 2021 was great. I don't, I don't have a bad year in 2021. I didn't have a bad year in 2020. But we're stepping into a season where what we'll need to make room for is the blessings of 2022. And then this is what Holy Spirit started showing me. My mercies are new every morning. Quit trying to live on yesterday's mercies. They're brand new because what you will face today, you will need a fresh... He even showed me the picture of the manna that came from heaven. They didn't store it up to use, it went bad if they did. They got a brand new dose of manna every morning. His, it is, he said, a daily bread. It's a fresh bread. And he said, I am that fresh bread that has come down out of heaven. Let's declutter our minds as we start 2022. And let's begin to make room. Let's clean up our mental mess. As we step into, we, we are so preoccupied with so many things. I mean, I, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm guilty of it. This, this weekend, I've been, Fred was over at the house yesterday. I was preoccupied with fantasy football because we're in the playoffs. <laughs> Even though I'm in the constellation bracket, we get preoccupied with so many things that Maybe we haven't begun to push out the old so that we can step into the new and make room for the new. Some of us need to make room for new commitments in 2022. If you're watching us by the internet or you'll listen to this message later, there are new commitments that you need to make and one of them is gathering in the house of the Lord with the brothers and sisters in Christ. There may be a Sunday that you come and you're depressed, discouraged, busted, broken, disgusted, and somebody will shake your hand, hug your neck, give you a Pentecostal handshake, give you a word, and you'll leave refreshed, rejuvenated, and renewed. Maybe the next time you come, you've got a word for someone and the Holy Spirit leads you to somebody and you lay hands on someone and they're healed or you minister a word of encouragement or prophecy to someone. It's time for us to make room for new commitments. There have been turbulent waters over the last couple of years. Just nod your head or raise your hand and say, yes, there has been. Globally, locally, there's been turbulent waters. But I prophesy to you that the waters are calming. 
The storm is subsiding and ceasing. Smooth seas are ahead. So let's make room for what God wants to do. In 2022, this song, we're going to sing it again if you'll stand to your feet. It says, your way is better. His way is definitely better. Over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about making room. One of the words that the Lord has given me is that let's, we need to make room because they're coming back. That in our church, but I think individually in your life, there's someone that has been estranged or something has been uh, disarrayed and God's bringing it back. We've got to make room for the blood this year. The blood of Jesus has been missing from the preaching of our pulpits and we need to bring back the blood. It's never lost its power. We need to make room for forgiveness. So many people are at ought with one another. And it's time for us to stop holding grudges and make room for forgiveness. We're going to be talking about some of these things. But as a prayer, as we sing this song again to make room, I encourage you, just as a step of faith, putting faith to your feet and making an action of faith, would you come and just declare to the Lord in this prayer, to this altar this morning, that you're going to make room in 2022?